Um, we talked to Esme not long ago about a claim of a woman that was injured in a clicks outlet when a plate of the air conditioning unit fell on um, on her head, I think. Um, now, the outcome of that case is not yet uh, finalized, but I actually thought that what we want to discuss today, uh, Ismari, which is the Minister of Police against K uh, case, is sort of a bit comparable. Uh, would you agree with, with that? Certain uh, legal principles that were relevant, as we discussed the other day, are also relevant for this case? Yes, Volker, the, the principles regarding negligence um, is is uh, prominent in both cases. So in that, in that sense, the cases are comparable. Okay. Um, so yeah, uh, what happened in this case? Uh, I think the uh, Minister of Police was uh, sued as in his capacity as, as such. Um, what are the, uh, the facts? Um, what happened that led to the claim being instituted? Volker, the, the facts of this case is actually um, quite extensive and obviously very important in determining whether there's negligence or not. I, I will try and summarize it as best possible. Um, but what happened in this case is Miss Kay, she's only known as Kay in the case, um, was walking along the beach. She was supposed to catch a flight back to Johannesburg at uh, 7 o'clock that evening. And she had some spare time, so she was walking around the beach, I believe in the uh, PE area. And when a man abducted her, assaulted her, and continuously and repeatedly raped her until uh, six o'clock the next morning. So it was quite a long and traumatic ordeal for her. He um, abducted her and held her in captivity between, uh, between some vegetation that was in sand dunes behind the beach. So it was a bit secluded. When Miss Kay didn't return home and, and timelessly caught her flight, her family reported her missing at around seven o'clock that evening. And the police then found her vehicle in the parking lot at the beach at around 11, 11.30 that evening. Um, they conducted, the police conducted a search for her using a, a search and rescue dog as well as a helicopter to look for her along the beach, along the shoreline and, and um, in the dunes. Now for purposes of her claim, I will get uh, into a bit more detail regarding what they did in the search and rescue in, and the investigation a bit later. But the bottom line is that they could not find her and abandoned the search during the early morning hours. She managed to escape from captivity around about six o'clock the next morning and then somebody helped her and took her to the police to report the case. But the police never found the perpetrator and he was never prosecuted. This happened uh, in 2010 already. So, Ms. Kay instituted action against the police for damages she suffered, specifically psychological damages. Um, and she alleged that the police had a duty, a constitutional duty, to keep um, South Africans safe and secure and to prevent, combat and investigate crimes, um, specifically crimes like, in this case, the rape and the abduction and assault, etc. And they also owed a duty to protect her dignity and, and all the other rights she had in the Bill of Rights. 
Now, the police admitted that they have this duty, but they denied that they were negligent in searching for her and the subsequent investigation for the perpetrator afterwards. Um, this, she was successful in the High Court, and the police was found to be 40% negligent uh, or liable for her damages, 40% of her damages. But the police appealed to the Supreme Court of Appeal, and the case that I will specifically be discussing today is the judgment of the Supreme Court of Appeal. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court of Appeal um, upheld the appeal, so that means the, the police was successful in, in fending off this claim. Okay, okay. So, so in the court of quo, she got 40%, but unfortunately in the Supreme Court of Appeal, um, she wasn't successful at all. So, um, yeah, yeah uh, that's um, that's obviously bad news for, for her as, as plaintiff. Um, so, so what was the reasoning of, of the court? Why uh, did they overturn the, the previous judgment? Why did they find that the police is not liable? I will, for this question, I will go into a bit more detail regarding what happened in the search and the investigation. I must point out, um, maybe this is just my personal opinion, but I was quite disappointed in the reasoning of the Supreme Court of Appeal. Um, but in essence, the Supreme Court of Appeal looked at the test for negligence. I believe I mentioned it in the previous article, we also um, discuss, but the text, test for negligence is the following. It's, it's whether a reasonable person in the position of the defendant would foresee the possibility of, of their, their conduct causing harm and would take reasonable steps to guard against such occurrence. And the defendant failed to take those reasonable steps. In short, he failed to act the same as, an, as a reasonable person would. Um, the court did mention that where an organ of state is your defendant, you don't measure their conduct against that of a reasonable person, but against that of a reasonable organ of state, taking into account um, things such as resources available to them, etc. Um, the same goes for all other cases. It won't always be the reasonable person. For example, if you sue an attorney for negligence, their conduct is measured against a reasonable attorney. If you sue a shop, like we discussed last, their conduct is measured against the reasonable shop, for example. So um, let me go into what exactly happened with the search and the investigation in order to understand the, the judgment by the court. When, like I mentioned, they found a vehicle at the beach at around 11.30 that evening. And at shortly after 12.30 that evening, uh, a police officer came with his search and rescue dog and he started the first search for her. Um, he drove along the shoreline first to um, look for her and make sure she didn't maybe drown or commit suicide. That's what they initially thought. Um, and when that yielded no results, he decided to take the next step, which was to take his search and rescue dog and cover the area behind the beach, which is the dunes where she was um, held captive. And he explained in detail the procedures he followed with the dog, such as, you know, walking against the direction of the wind so that the dog can actually pick up a scent. And they searched in a zigzag pattern to make sure they covered everything. The dog was off a leash, so the dog was running 
about um, 20 to 25 meters in front of him. And when they reached the end of that area, there was a fence. Um, the police officer didn't walk to the fence. He turned around when the dog reached the fence and came back. Um, that was a, an important consideration in the High Court. Um, thereafter, he called um, the helicopter unit, and they then searched that area with a with a helicopter and with a light. But they only conducted the search for about 20 minutes. It did cover most of the area, but they also didn't see her because she was actually held, held captive like beneath some bushes, so they couldn't really see her. But they had to land after 20 minutes because another aircraft was coming in and aircraft officials asked them to land for safety reasons, but also because the area where Ms. K was held captive was close to a, a, a restricted airspace area because there were gas and everything. So they could actually not fly um, over that restricted airspace area. And then the, um, the weather also turned and it became misty, so they couldn't, in any event, couldn't continue their, their search and they abandoned the search at that stage. Now, like I mentioned, the court went into detail about the, the steps they took and what is proper procedure and so on. I won't mention all those details, but the High Court found um, that the police was negligent. For example, between the period when they found her vehicle and when the first search was conducted by the um, by the guy with the search and rescue dog, it seemed the evidence before the court was that the other police officers were just sort of standing around. They never, never conducted a foot search and walked around and searched for her. It was only that drive along the shoreline, the dog and the helicopter. And the court found that that wasn't reasonable in the circumstances. The police at the, the very basic search they could have done was to do a foot search and walk around and search for her and call out her name and so on. The other thing is the that uh, that portion where the dog went up until the fence, but the police officer didn't. He turned around when the dog turned around. The court also found that that was negligent. If he had walked to the fence where the dog um reached, then he would have seen that there was apparently an extra space, the fence made a turn, so there was an extra area that he could have searched. And then if he had done so, he probably would have found her, um, which which could have resulted there in that she would have been spared another three or four hours of the assault. Um, the Supreme Court of Appeal, on the other hand, found that they weren't really negligent in this regard. Um, the court found that the High Court's decision that, that the police was negligent didn't support the evidence before it. It held that you can't hold the police liable for not um, conducting a further helicopter search because there was a restricted airspace and they were not allowed to fly anymore because of the fact that another aircraft was approaching and because of the fact that the weather didn't allow it. So they did everything within their means to search for her regarding the helicopter. The court also found regarding this, the dark um, unit search and rescue that they also did everything in their power. They first um, went along the shoreline and then into the dunes where she was actually 
held captive. And, uh, you know, the way in which they conducted the search and the steps they explained to the court, the court found that, that you know, they did everything in their power and, and to the court's mind, they did act reasonable, uh, especially taking into account that he did um, two searches, one along the shoreline and one in the dunes, and then called in the helicopter to take the next step. So the court didn't find the police negligent in this regard. What I haven't really mentioned yet is the investigation afterwards. She, a portion of her claim was also based on um, them not conducting a proper investigation afterwards. And one of the sticking points that was discussed is that she said that the warrant officer was supposed to investigate this case afterwards, didn't properly conduct um, the investigation. For example, there was CCTV footage uh, available of the parking lot and the police had that footage but the officer that investigated her case never even viewed that footage to see if there is a suspect um, that should be interviewed or you know take whatever steps necessary to to try and find her the evidence before the high court was actually to the effect that that police officer didn't even know that there was a man depicted loitering around that area um, he didn't even know the footage showed that. What was quite disappointing for me is the Supreme Court of Appeal stance on this. Um, the Supreme Court of Appeal said that the officer wasn't negligent because he gave, the evidence showed, he gave a copy of the footage to Ms. Kay's private investigator. She had to appoint private investigators when she felt the police weren't doing their job. But he gave a copy of the footage to the private investigators and they gave it to her, but she didn't view it because it was too traumatic for her still. And um, the court found that the only person who could have identified a possible suspect on the footage would have been Ms. Kay and she never viewed it, which is to my mind quite disappointing, especially taking into account that the evidence before the High Court was actually that the officer never viewed it himself. It's um, disappointing to think that people have to um, appoint at their own cost private investigators um, to view footage when that is quite something quite simple that the police could have done and should have done. But um, that was that was the Supreme Court Court of Appeals reasoning behind that to find them also not negligent. Um, Another point was that there was DNA testing when they found her and she showed them um, where she was held captive. There were some items they recovered that had blood and possible semen on it. And they sent it to the lab, but there was never any tests conducted on it until shortly before the trial, it seems. And that might have been negligent on the part of the police, but the Supreme Court of Appeals said that that, that was actually not one of the uh, grounds for negligence. So he can't make a finding against them um, because she didn't allege that that was negligent on their part. A very important thing I want to mention is the one of the elements of a delay that you have to prove is causation. You have to prove, even if somebody is found negligent, you actually have to prove that there's a causal link between your damages and that negligence. Now, in this case, this was also very important because the experts that testified on behalf of Ms. Kay, as well as the joint minutes they had with the experts of 
the police found that she was, you know, she had permanent psychological damage and she's going to require psychiatric treatment for an indefinite period. She had depression, she had post-traumatic stress disorder. It was really a, a traumatic event for, for her. However, none of the experts could quantify what portion of her damages is as a result of the police um, search and the investigation as opposed to what portion can be attributed to the rape. So they couldn't really uh, give that causal link. The High Court um, reasoned that had she been found a few hours earlier, she would have been spared a few hours of the ordeal and maybe a trauma would have been less. Um, but that wasn't supported by what the experts said. The experts couldn't um, distinguish which portion of a trauma is as a result of the police and which portion is as a result of the event. So that was a very important point that the court found that the, he, he can't um, have her claim succeed because no causal link was proven because um, between the possible negligence of the police and her damages. And a very important remark that the court make, made was to say that if they were to find the police liable for her damages, it would make it very difficult for police in general to conduct investigations and and search missions, etc., in future, because it would any slight degree of negligence would expose them to civil litigation. And this is quite unfortunate. I can understand where the court is coming from that they don't want to flood the courts with you know, every person instituting a claim against the police if they feel they were negligent. But on the other hand, the, the police has a very important constitutional duty to ensure the safety and security of people, especially in a country like ours where violence against women is so prominent. Um, so to my mind, the a comment like this, it shouldn't be in the back of, it shouldn't be a determining factor in a case that you can't hold the police liable because this would open the door to more cases. Um, I don't think, uh, I think this comment was quite inappropriate. Like I said, I can see where it comes from, but I think it was quite inappropriate in the circumstances and taking into account the, the crime rate in our, con in our country. So at the end of the day, the Supreme Court of Appeal held that he couldn't find the police negligent and unfortunately, can't hold him liable for the damages that she that she suffered, and he dis, um, upheld the appeal because it was the police that appealed, and he um, replaced the High Court's order with an order that her case is dismissed. Unfortunately, Miss um, Kay would have to pay the costs of the police in both the High Court and the Supreme Court of Appeal, which includes the cost of two counsels. So she was slapped with um, quite a, a hefty legal cost bill afterwards. Sure, yeah, I sure. guess, yeah, I guess that devastating yeah. outcome for her. Um, but yeah, from a legal point of view, um, a good demonstration of how uh, the court applies the reasonable person test now to see whether there was negligence and whether the intellectual claim for damages uh, should succeed uh, or not, um, I guess. And and yeah, um, the question with all these types of 
um, tests and cases, I, I would think is is how um, you know how high would the standard have to be according to the court for the specific person's uh, actions? No? Um, I mean, on the one hand, you might get your average Joe who is not very vigilant and who um, won't really prevent other people from uh, being harmed, and then you might get your Superman no? who uh, will do everything uh, perfectly. So I guess. In this case, the bar is set a bit lower than um, one, as you said, might uh, want uh, it to be set for the police. No? Um, so, yeah, uh, I guess uh, that's where it's also difficult to predict the outcome of these types of cases, uh, because it's maybe not that e uh, easy to predict what, uh, you know, how high the bar will be set by the court. Um, obviously, in the case of a an attorney, you would expect the actions of the attorney to be in line with a reasonable uh, attorney. In other words, someone who has got the necessary uh, expertise and qualifications and, and know-how. And the same should truly apply to a policeman. No? He should also um, meet some higher standards than your average Joe, once again, who is not trained as a policeman, who is not experienced as a, as a policeman, etc. So, um, yeah, sad outcome once again for the plaintiff. But okay, um, what what uh, do we learn from this? What what advice can you give uh, our listeners? I guess, uh, think twice before you institute an intellectual claim against the police. Yeah, I think unfortunately that is the warning that we have to, to send out. I think um, in general, um, a lot of people think that the police aren't always doing their job properly. And the first thing when, when, when things go wrong, they think about, can I institute a claim against the police? And I think um, I want to give the same advice that I gave in the previous discussion is your, your preparation um, and the way your case is formulated and the evidence you put before the court is so, so, so important um, to ensure that you don't sit with the result where you've lost the case and you have to pay an enormous legal bill. Um, unfortunately, um, you, you really have to, you and your attorney really have to do your homework beforehand and, and make sure every single thing um, is alleged and can be proven by you to make sure that you can overcome this this bar set by the court to hold the police liable. Um, it. I just want to mention it, it was her, her, her advocates actually asked the Supreme Court of Appeal not to grant a cost order against her if she should lose the case because she was merely trying to uh, enforce her constitutional rights. But the Supreme Court of Appeal found that that was not an exceptional circumstance that would allow it to deviate from the general rule that the winner um, should be compensated for their costs. And you can think this was litigation for um, that that lasted seven years, and she testified that the litigation already put extra stress on her and and increased her depression. So to think now of seven years of this emotional roller coaster of litigation, um, and you're already depressed, and now you're sitting with a legal bill for the High Court and the Supreme Court of Appeal including cost of two counsel, um, which means two advocates, I think she'll, you know, it, it'll be hundreds of thousands of rents, if not in the millions that she would have to pay 
for this case. So, um, like I said, I was at the end of the day quite disappointed in the decision and the reasoning that the Supreme Court of Appeal um, held. And it, it certainly sends the warning to, to make very sure about your case before you institute action. I don't know if she will appeal to the Constitutional Court. Um, maybe. Uh, maybe they will come to a different conclusion. But there, this is certainly a warning to litigants to make sure um, that, that your case is solid before you incur this, this legal cost. Okay, thanks a lot, Desmarie. We'll certainly keep an eye on the developments there and uh, let our listeners know if there is an appeal to the Constitutional Court and what the outcome there uh, might be. Uh, but yeah, thank you, Esprit. That was an interesting one.